This podcast is brought to you with limited interruption by Rudy Luther Toyota. Whether looking for an exciting brand new Toyota, a certified pre-owned vehicle, or getting quality routine maintenance and service for your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is the place to go. Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Broadcasting live on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, as well as in the evening on WCPT 820 Chicago's Progressive Talk. It is the Matt McNeil Show for your Wednesday. Jeff Stein will be here in just about a half hour. He's our national and presidential expert, uh, noted author as well. He will be in to, I'm sure, talk about what is uh, going to be the the headline of of the day, which is the Colorado story. But before we get to that, Brett is joining us today. Brett, how are we today? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing well, but I wanted kind of, I've, I've, so this morning I told you I went to uh, the Y early and um, got a workout in. I had to get it because I was busy, busy trying to get a bunch of stuff done and shockingly empty at this point. And I just wanted to, I wanted to bask that in because it's not going to be that way. <laughs> well, a couple of weeks, it's not going to be empty anymore. Oh, At least my. for the first few weeks of January. Well, it's it's so it's. I've had friends who own clubs, and they say the same thing every time. Six weeks, Valentine's Day. That's when you realize that advertisement where they've got the thing doing the dude doing the ab thing, and he's ripped. That you realize, oh, you don't get ripped like that. You get ripped by basically having a very segmented diet, working out three to four hours per day. And basically making sure you, you nothing gets in your body that's anything bad or toxic or anything. That's how you get to look like that guy. You don't get to look like that by doing, you know, 12 ab crunches on a piece of plastic, you know, once a day. Yeah, that, that, that's not how it works. I'm surprised that six weeks, I thought that would be like maybe the third week of January when that starts well, to I think you, you start seeing the attrition. Yeah. I, I, I would say you probably, uh, I, I think you start seeing the attrition there. No, I, you get out and enjoy it. And I always, here's the part which, and I, if I can say, you know, one thing is if you don't know what you're doing, for goodness sakes, ask someone, even if you can't find someone who's working in the club or anything like that, just ask someone who looks like they've been there a while, because I have seen people hurt themselves on workout equipment. I have seen people uh, doing that. And yeah, it is. <sighs> the only assistance they need, just yell, use your back. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you lifting with your legs? Lift with your lower spine. Come on, man. That's, that's what she's supposed to do. Don't do that. By the way, that, that's me that making a joke. Don't do that. Don't don't lift with your lower back. Lift with your legs. Uh, you know, so just you know, keep in mind, I will say this. So you know how you hear these things. You, you hear these things about this is what you're supposed to do, America. This is America. This is what you're supposed to do. So I was talking to, I mean, I'll, I'll preface this by, I went to my dentist and I, and I floss on a regular basis. And I, and I just said to them, it's like, I, I mean, how many people floss on a regular basis? And she said, oh, this is my dental hygienist. And she said, oh, maybe 20%. I was like, well, the, you guys harp on it all the time. Like everyone's like living with a piece of string in their mouth all the time. That's not reality. You kind of get that mentality. Um, they have said, I mean, what they say about being physically fit is you want to work out, um, Basically, 30 to 60 minutes per week, intent, 
intensely and doing it like this. I, I think one of the, the easiest things to do is if you got the iHeart, iHealth on uh, your phone or on your watch, 10,000 steps a day. If you're getting close to 10,000 steps a day, you're going to be in pretty good shape. You really are. And, and so that, that's, that's a good thing. I was, at a, I was at a class one time, did one hour. It was a one-hour class, not exactly the heaviest workout of all time, but I got a good sweat on. And the woman at the end of it said, congratulations by doing this one class this week. You've done more exercise than 80% of the public has. And I just sort of said, really? Because the way you hear it is that you make it, it sounds like that, that, you know, that, that is, you know, how I, you know, most people aren't, uh, you know, are, are working out constantly. No, it's, you know, most people don't, you don't realize that. So a lot of people are going to be hitting the gym. You do whatever you're comfortable with. You go out there, be happy. That's, that's kind of always been my mentality. Be happy with it. Just don't, uh, you know, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to live someone else's life. Live the, live the best life that you can. And however that is, be happy doing it by all means. But I will say that it just, you, you are, if you are going to go to the club, just don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. All right. Just Matt's safety tip. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. The big story, of course, broke last night. The Colorado Supreme Court on Tuesday ordered former President Trump to be barred from the state's 2024 presidential ballot under a Civil War era insurrection clause in a historic ruling certain to be promptly appealed to the nation's highest court. Six Republicans and affiliated Colorado voters backed the nonprofit Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. They filed a lawsuit in September alleging that Trump's actions in relation to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol disqualify him from the office under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. Section 3 of the amendment ratified in 1868 and enforced only a handful of cases in the last 150 years prohibits a person who engaged in insurrection after taking an oath of office to support the Constitution from holding office again. A majority of the court holds that President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment of the United States Constitution. The court wrote in its ruling, because he is disqualified, it would be a wrongful act under the election code of the Colorado Secretary of State to list him as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. The court's 4-3 decision, Justices Monica Marquez, William Hood, Richard Gabriel, and Melissa Hart made up the majority. Chief Justice Brian Boatwright, Justices Carlos Samora, and Maria Birkencotter dissented. All seven judges on the state Supreme Court were appointed by Democratic governors. We do not reach these conclusions lightly, justices in the majority wrote. We are mindful of the magnitude and weight of the questions now before us. We are likewise mindful of our solemn duty to apply the law without fear or favor and without being swayed by public reaction to the decisions that the law mandates we reach. I want to stop right there and start talking about the important ugly truth. The truth that the media in this this country just does not want to talk about. They, they, they allude to it, but they don't just say it outright. Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government of the United States. End of discussion. That's not, th this is not debatable. I, I get it. You, 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 you're the, the, the default mode of the media. And if I can, let me step back on the media. The media basically got played. There isn't, in, in my mind, an effective news media in this country. Not anymore. I mean, you do see some, some you know, remnants of it here or there. 
Um, you know, the, the, the Heartland Signal guys, they do a great job. Minnesota Reformer does a great job. There are some places out there that do a very good job. The reality is most of the mainstream media, though, has been compromised because they got browbeaten into it. They lost money. They basically, they, they, they were bought outright by conservative forces and told to basically change their narrative. The advertisers who are, who are predominantly what Republicans basically said, we're going to pull our advertising unless you report the way we want to report. And yeah, that little t- tug of the, the leash worked. And many of these news staffs have been cut, cut, cut to where they can't do. I mean, go look at a newspaper from the 1980s. It is a... It, it's a it's a faraway land. And by the way, the newspapers from the 1980s were nothing like the newspapers from like the 1950s. The newspapers in the 1980s were, you know, 20, 25 pages per section, you know, in-depth reporting, constant. Now, because of staff cuts and 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 mandates that you you can't make it sound like one side's winning, you basically have, you know, barely covered news at all. And it's an embarrassment. And I feel sorry because I know a lot of good journalists who work for outlets where, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's, I can't tell you how many times I will read a story and say like the Star Tribune in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And it's done by, um, there's a guy named Annie Mannix, who is a fantastic writer, fantastic. And he'll, it will be like, oh my God. I mean, this is a major story. And, and 30 years ago, it would be the beginning of two weeks of round around coverage in the paper. And no one would be shrugging their shoulders. They'd be hounding these people until they got answers. And he'll put out the story and the, the rest of the newspaper goes, well, let's, let's, okay, we'll, we'll leave it up there for a few hours and then let's move it to the back and let's make sure, you know, we don't really revisit that again. I mean, that's kind of the, the nature of the paper nowadays. They don't do investigative stories. They don't do follow-ups. They, they don't do team coverage. They just don't. Unless it's the most sensationalized news. And this is because the right wing beat the news news media down to a pulp. But the reality is, is you should not be surprised by what the Colorado Supreme Court ruled for this one single reason. Donald Trump tried to overthrow the government of the United States. That's not an opinion. That's an actual fact. He lost the election in 2020. He lost End of story. There is no debate. Only complete and utter morons don't realize the facts that when he was given the chance and his team was given the chance over and over and over and over and over and over and over over again in courtroom after courtroom after courtroom. And they said, where's your evidence? And said, we don't have any. We just think it happened. And the judges looked at him and said, well, that's not how the legal system works. You're biased. That's what they would say. Because they didn't just take them for their word and remove a person who had won the election fair and square. I mean, when you look at what you look at what Trump was doing in Georgia, if you could just find me a few thousand votes, that'd be great. He was wanting him to find the votes. And then, of course, if all of a sudden it was found out that he manufactured a bunch of votes, Donald Trump would be, I never told him to do that. I, he just, he did the, the, well, this is the consequences. I just will just have to learn our lesson next time. No, Donald Trump overthrew, tried to overthrow the government of the United States. He tried to get rid of democracy itself. And you know what? He wouldn't even be in this freaking race right now if the news media in this country did their damn job. 
and stop tipping toeing around this like oh, it's like when you find a broken vase and there's one kid in the house but you don't want to sit there and say well clearly the kid did the damage you just want to tiptoe around it well somebody did this yeah it was the kid Somebody tried to overthrow the government by th- sending a mob of, of lunatics to attack the U.S. Capitol, beat police officers, threaten to hang the vice president and wipe their feces all over the wall. We don't know who it is. Well, how about the guy that was out the speech telling them to go up there and attack the Capitol? No, not him. We don't know. Who knows who did it? Him. Him. That guy. It was a coordinated effort. We now know his entire campaign team, pretty much the majority of the White House, was all involved in this. It was him. He's the guilty party. We don't know for sure. No, he he was. That's called a fact. And the point that I am making is this. If I have gotten to the point, me, trained chimp Matt McNeil, I have to basically point out what's a fact for the media. Well, guess what? We are in dire times and indeed. More on this, and once again, Jeff Stein to talk about it when we come back here. At, you know, well, he'll be here about uh, about half past the hour. It is the Matt McNeil Show. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Happy holidays to everyone out there. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. You can find me on Facebook under Matt McNeil Show Progressive Citizen X. Good to see you there. 952-946-6205, 952-946-6205. Once again, let's make sure we understand something. Donald Trump in a temper tantrum because he lost fair and square by 7 million votes in 2020 tried to overthrow the government and install himself as president because he didn't want to lose. He tried to overthrow the government. That is an insurrection. It is no different. It is no different than disqualifying Confederates after the Civil War because they swore allegiance to an enemy who was killing Americans. You were against the country. You cannot be for the United States of America and for Donald Trump. I said this the other day. I will repeat it once again. Go outside, take down your American flag if you're a Trump supporter, because if you're still supporting this guy, you do not support the United States of America. You support something else. You've sworn a blood oath to a human being and not to the country. And shame on you, you unpatriotic jackasses. Shame on you. Someone has to say it because we don't want to say what actually he did. And God bless the Colorado Supreme Court because they did. He tried to commit an insurrection. Um, the ruling, however, stays the includes a stay of the court's order that will last until January 4th and until the outcome of a widely anticipated appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court is decided. If the review is sought in the Supreme Court before the stay expires, then the stay shall remain in place and the secretary will continue to, require, uh, to be required to include Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot until the receipt of any or, order or mandate from the Supreme Court. Colorado Secretary of State Jenna Griswold, a Democrat and outspoken Trump critic, has declined to take a position on the former president's ballot eligibility, and her office has held off on certifying his candidacy pending a determination from the courts. January 5th is the statutory deadline to certify the presidential primary ballot. A spokesperson for Griswold said Tuesday 
and secretary will follow whatever court guidance is in place for that date ha- uh, arrives. The court's uh, decision followed a flurry of amicus briefs and oral arguments before the justices early this month. It overturned the key part of the November 17th ruling by Denver District Court Judge Sarah B. Wallace, who ruled that although Trump engaged in insurrection, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment did not apply to the office of president and ordered Criswell to place Trump on the ballot. And like I said, they're trying to—okay, part of the problem— and and I and I talked with a friend of mine about this earlier today. Part of the problem is, it's one thing to write this stuff down and put it in the Constitution. It's another thing that you get to it and you say, "Oh, how do we apply it?" And the most consummate example is they had to clean up a lot with the Constitution after Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow Wilson, in his second term, had a pretty what was described as by many people a debilitating stroke. He was not capable of of running the country. And as I've said before, and I'll say again, we've already had our first woman president. Woodrow Wilson's wife basically you know, made the decisions for this country on whether to sign things or not sign things. She would take a document into the office, close the door, come back out. Woodrow Wilson, by all accounts, was not really able to make the decisions of this. And so many of these decisions came from Woodrow Wilson's wife at that point. But the problem was that even though clearly the president was not qualified to stay in office any longer, there wasn't really any process or method to get him out of office, even though he was physically incapacitated and really couldn't do the job, which then cleared up. I mean, after he was out of office, there was some amendments passed that basically cleaned that up a little bit and gave some ideas. The insurrection clause should apply. It applies to, and, and and one of the things which is really kind of interesting about this judge in Denver that initially said, oh yeah, he did an insurrection, but it isn't the president. It says if you swore an oath, oath to the country, the president of the United States swears an oath to the country. So technically he is covered in this. And when that insurrection happened, Joe Biden hadn't been sworn in as president. So he can't, he can't even use the argument. He was the ex-president at the time. No, he was the president. He was, he had sworn an allegiance to the country. So that whole argument was garbage in the first place. It comes down, there, there is this problem that arises when you have to apply something like this. And it will be interesting to see what happens because you want to know the truth. I don't think this is necessarily a slam dunk either way. I don't think the Supreme Court, I, I'm less likely to believe the Supreme Court's going to uphold the Colorado ruling um, although I think the the, the, the the Supreme Court would be doing the Republican Party a massive failure if they did, or a, a massive justice, rather, if they did. I think they would, a favor, not failure, favor. They'd be doing a massive favor for the Republican Party because the Republicans then wouldn't have to deal with Trump. And, and it would allow them to hone their message a lot better than it, they are right now. That being said, let's count the justices. I mean, you know, there's Supreme Court Justice RV and Supreme Court Justice Five Star, aka Thomas and Alito. They're going to vote to, yeah, hey, I want to be going. I got to go to Mazatlan next year. I mean, I'm sorry, man. I, he's he stays on the ballot. I mean, that's Alito. I, my guess. You know, and if you're if you really want those sweet sweet RVs, I mean, those don't those are not cheap. I mean, that you know how many votes you need to give them to get you an RV in the Supreme Court. 
Yep, he, uh, you know, Justice Thomas is going to be, those two guys are going to, I mean, as as much as they like to scream, we're, we're, we're absolute constitutionalists, yeah, then comes the fact that all of a sudden you have to rule against your guy, and, oh, I, I didn't mean I was a complete constitutionalist. Gorsuch, I think, is well, well, I don't know, Gorsuch, that ruling in Oklahoma where he basically did what he was supposed to do and say, oh, yeah, treaties supersede the Constitution, so a Native American treaty overrides the Constitution, that would, the, the deciding vote in that case, that was a pretty big surprise because he, he was right. Treaties do override the Constitution, so they have rights. So it's interesting to, it will be interesting to see what Gorsuch does. I mean, I could see him coming back and saying, well, he swore an oath of the country and then he tried to overthrow the country. I, I think what's going to happen is a lot of these justices are going to say, while we do not, let's see how close I get. Let's see. Let's just see how close I get here. We don't condone what happened on January 6th, but the reality is we do not see J Donald Trump as necessarily the person who commanded those people to go to and attack the Capitol, henceforth, considering we can give ourselves the most feasible of wiggle room, we will use that to basically not hold him accountable. And then, then themselves will say, oh, by the way, Congress, you probably need to clean this up and fix that constitutional amendment and be very, very clear about what you can and cannot do. Even though, frankly, the third clause of the 14th Amendment is pretty clear about what you can and cannot do. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is not a surprise that uh, it's a surprise to a point that I think Colorado ruled this way. It's not going to be a surprise, I think, when the Supreme Court overrules us. But am I completely and totally convinced that the U.S. Supreme Court will indeed overturn this? No, I'm not. I think it's interesting. I, I think the part, the fact that this case was initially brought by Republicans to get him off the ballot, I think uh, that that actually might have some that's have some ramifications as well. We'll have to see. Jeff Stein will give us his thoughts on this and the rise of Nazism within the Republican Party when we do return. It's the Matt McNeil Show. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and let me introduce to Chicago's WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, Jeff Stein. He's our national and presidential expert, noted author. You can find his books over uh, at uh, totallyiowa.com and Next Chapter Booksellers here in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, of course, the Iowa Politics Report and the Iowa Business Report come to us from KXEL, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, where Jeff is currently hunkered down waiting for Santa to show up. Hi, Jeff. I'm really waiting for the Iowa caucuses to be over. Okay. If you really want to to know what I'm waiting for, it is uh, it's going to be a long uh, three and a half weeks, my friend. Oh man, what are you talking about? You're not all of a sudden you're not going to get those calls from national people to say, would you would you like to talk on the air about uh, what's going on in Iowa? See, here's the thing that you have to understand, and you and I have both done this more than a minute. So I fully get that. People in Iowa who hold a microphone are extremely popular for, I don't know, six weeks every four years. And the morning of January 16th, 
I'm going to be deleted from everybody's phone, probably yours as well. And you just have to understand that's what it is. Don't get full of yourself. You just move along. I don't think you're in my phone now. All right. <laughs> Ditto, buddy. Ditto. Well, no, it, it, you do get a lot. I mean, there's a big spotlight on Iowa, and that's that's for sure. But I mean, let's I'll tell you what. You, 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 obviously, your, your straw poll of the, the caucuses, the primaries, all coming up here. But we got to mm -hmm. start in Colorado. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, first of all, I mean, I, I talked about it for the first half hour. What, what's your thoughts on, on the Colorado ruling? We have a national race for president, but it's not a national race for president. It is individual states who set their own rules for determining who the electors are. Mm -hmm. The electors in the Electoral College then go to Washington and cast the vote. That's how the process works. It is not a national popular vote. So all of these polls that say so-and-so is ahead of so-and-so nationally, I don't care because that's not how we play the game. We play the game through the Electoral College. How do we determine electors? State elections. If you start having Congress, in other words, the federal government, mandate how each state handles its election, I don't think that's what was intended. So the concept that Colorado can set its own rules for who makes it on a ballot, that part doesn't bother me. Similarly, where you are in Minnesota, Ryan Binkley is a Republican presidential candidate. He has not made it on the Minnesota ballot for the primary. He has filed a lawsuit saying that the standards are arbitrary, capricious, etc. Fine. But that presupposes that each state has the right to determine its own rules and regulations. And that's essentially what has happened in Colorado. I know there are a lot of people who are saying this, this is a terrible ruling. And I'm not talking about the merits of the ruling, but can Colorado do that? I say yes. I, can, you know, it, and they decide about their own elections. I say yes. Well, and reminder too, it's it's you know, there are a lot of people that disagree with this, but there are a lot of people that do agree with it, and mm -hmm. and it and it's interesting because it we'll get to where the Supreme Court's going to go with it. A, a lot of it, I mean, reminder, this was overturning a, a, a previous lower court decision, a Denver court, a Denver judge who basically said, oh yeah, that Trump did commit an insurrection, but just that the third, the, the section three of the Fourteenth Amendment does not apply to the president which is kind of a garbage argument because it does say if you swear an oath to the country, which the president does. Mm -hmm. So that kind of is a garbage argument. And that basically opened the door for the Supreme Court to say, well, no, the president of the United States does swear an oath to the country, although it still was a 4-3 vote. And this, this, this decision being stayed up until January to allow the Supreme Court to weigh in, the reality is, is that it was always destined to go up there. And now the question comes in on what the Supreme Court's going to do. Well, and again, it comes down to a very narrow issue. And you're exactly right. You have to focus on what the actual issue is. And the fighting issue is, does Article 3 of the 14th Amendment apply to what is, in essence, a state election? That's what we're talking about. There is no national ballot. Because if there were a national ballot, then we'd have uniform poll times. We don't have that. We'd have uniform rules for how soon you can get a ballot and whether you can mail it in. We don't have that. And so you have to first determine if that provision of the federal constitution can apply to a state-based election. And that's the, the whole, that's the whole shooting match right there, frankly. And given that every state has its own rules, 
even if the Supreme Court, Matt, says, well, yes, uh, the, the 14th Amendment could apply to a state election, that doesn't automatically mean it will in each state because each state has different rules. Is the question, okay, so if they overturn this, and, and we're speculating on speculation at this point, so I, and I understand that, but if the Supreme Court does overturn it, what's their most likely path, do you think, to do so? Is it process, just like I said, and I mentioned this earlier, there's a tendency that on paper things look good, but then all of a sudden it has to be applied, and everyone like, okay, how do we do this? Is it process? Is it the question of what constitutes an insurrection? Does it constitute what leads? What is Who is a leader of an insurrection? Where do you think if the Supreme Court does knock this down, they're going to come and focus on that one element to knock it down? No, I think it's going to be even more esoteric than that. I think it's going to be, does this provision apply to state election law? Period. It's not going to be defining... I don't think it's going to be, well, it doesn't say president and he was president, which which I hear from people on the right. I don't think that's the argument. As you said, you swore an oath. Yeah. I, I really think it's going to be, does this apply to a state election? Well, can, can I stop? And, can I stop you there really quick? Because sure, I want to ask sure. you can I, to branch that out a little bit. So when sure. they did kick the Confederates in the late you know 1860s off ballots, they weren't kicking them off federal ballots but state ballots, correct? I mean, it was it was the federal government basically knocking a person off a state ballot. So, I mean, we're kind of in a mess here because it would seem to me now it's a question of whether or not that is a decision solely made by a federal government on what appears on a state ballot because that's kind of what happened before. Or is it, it did, do you know if those cases started, say, so say a former Confederate wanted to run in Alabama and the, the government of Alabama said, well, unfortunately you violated this clause. He contested it. And then it, I guess went up to a trial in Congress. I, I, I'm not sure how that went. Well, keep in mind, it's a federal election. If you're electing someone directly to the U S house or the U S Senate, it is not a federal election. If it is Hennepin County dog catcher. Okay, and so this is where you've got the distinction. So the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to make sure that those who rose up against the U.S. government did not serve in the U.S. government. And those are federal elections, whereas when you're talking about a presidential primary, well, geez, that's virtually nothing. That's delegates to a state or to a, to a national nominating convention, which is why the Republicans in Colorado have said, the, the state party has said, if this decision stands, then we are going to revoke our right to have a primary and we're going to turn it into a caucus because this is only a partisan issue. The key is, how does that affect a general election ballot when it's uh, the, the state election is electing electors? They're not directly electing a member of Congress, for example. And by the way, they call it partisan, but the people that brought this case to kick him off the ballot were Republicans. Well, you can say partisan regardless, right? Yeah. Because the the you know you and I have talked in Hello Chicago, but we've used the phrase Trumpicans. They're not Republicans; they're people who vote for Trump. I used the phrase Obamacrats in an earlier era as well. So you've got the professional politician Republicans who don't like Trump. Yeah, they'd love to see him off the ballot. That's one of the things that when this ruling came down. Well, Democrats probably like it because it's a way to get Trump out of the way. Republicans liked it, those who don't want Trump, because that's the whole point. Somebody like DeSantis, Haley, et cetera, that's their whole point is to say, you can't trust that Trump's going to be there on the ballot. 
go with a safe choice, somebody who's not facing, you know, umpteen felonies. <laughs> but in a twisted way, it's it's helping Trump as well. How? Every time he gets indicted. I mean, you know, how many millions did he bring in on the basis of this ruling? This oh. is why the, the whole system is, is turned upside down. It's not what you would have expected. Well, no, he's, he's, he's learned that he could create a bunch of Trump fans who basically also vote Republican as opposed to Republicans who vote for Trump. And I, I think that's the key. You know, you bring up an interesting point. The Supreme Court could really, you know, proverbially fall on a sword for the Republican Party and get Trump. This is they could get Trump out of the way right now. They could come on down with this ruling and say, yep, a state can remove him, which I imagine would lead to a flurry of states removing him from the ballot. And 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 you would have that. And and it's of course, I think, you know, Thomas and Alito are compromised. So, I mean, if you want to be critical of me saying it like that, well, then don't take an RV and a bunch of five star trips. Now, they're compromised. Gorsuch is an interesting cat because although he kind of goes along with that far right, he did vote for the treaties uh, on that that Oklahoma lawsuit. He basically said no treaties supersede. So he's one of these people that I think that sometimes does find the proverbial you know you know truffle. So the question then comes down, and I clearly think the three you know progressive justices are going to vote uh, to to keep him off the ballot. I you know maybe I'm wrong on that. So the question here is, do you think there's a chance at all that the Supreme Court will say, you know what, for the betterment of the Republican Party, you guys are already reeling still from the overturning of Roe v. Wade. If we get Trump out of the way, at least you might be able to put some semblance of normalcy back to the party. No, because the backlash by the Trump element would be so strong of citizenry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't see them. The one thing you said that, that I want to just kind of sharpen the point on, Even if the Supreme Court says a state could toss a person off, that doesn't mean that they've met the threshold to do it. You've got to then go within the state court and say that this individual committed the insurrection and did this, et cetera, et cetera. So the the only thing I think the Supreme Court is going to do is say, is this a legal vehicle, path, vessel, whatever? They're not going to make the determination. So it's not going to be as clean or as quick as you just suggested. And I don't think that's a reliable majority on the court from a partisan standpoint, because uh, they certainly disappointed Trump at various points along the way. Yes, they were unified in the Dobbs case. But as we now hear from the reporting, and it confirms what we heard at the time, you know, um, Roberts was certainly trying to strike a different middle ground until the opinion was leaked. And that tells you an awful Alito. lot about Alito. right there. Alito, yeah. It was Alito. Okay, Chicago, Matt Smart Money has been on Alito from the start. Johnny and, Five Star over there, yeah, he's. it, it was Alito. <laughs> you, you can weigh in yourself at the Matt McNeil website and, and issue your online bet and see if he's right. Go team, go. Uh, well, okay, so you, but you brought, I'm going to come back to something you said, the backlash. Right. Yeah. Eventually, there's going to be a backlash. If mm-hmm. if the Supreme Court rules that no Trump can be removed from ballots by states if it is deemed the state has said he did indeed participate in an insurrection, boom, mm-hmm. you could do that. There's going to be a backlash. If you know if somehow some way a another Republican candidate comes in and eventually sneaks and stick, steals away the nomination from them, there'll be a Trump. There'll be the Trump supporters will have a backlash. If Trump mm-hmm. runs and wins the general ele- uh, wins the primary and then loses in the general election to Biden a second time, there'll be a backlash. Isn't this just an inevitable? There's going to be a backlash somewhere. 
So, you know, you can just make the argument, well, you know, these people are you're going to be furious and upset now. So to a point, doing it earlier than later might be the better solution. Well, what if the U.S. Supreme Court says that Colorado was wrong? You're going to have a backlash from those on the left. I mean, yes, the, but but my point is, I don't think that they're going to consider uh, we're good Republicans and for the sake of the Republican Party and the small R Republic, we're going to do this. I just don't think that they're that unified on any issue other than abortion, frankly. Well, but at the same time, no, you know, I can understand. You're, you're right. There will be people who will be upset. But the people that were upset the last time went over, were chanting, saying Mike Pence, beating cops at the Capitol and smearing their feces on the wall. That is that is that is still out there. And it's still being the, the fans, the flame, the, they're fanning the flames of it on the far right media. And that it is something that is out there. That is something that's going to have to be addressed at some point. Yeah, but the problem is there there are so many factions that are, are creating this mess that it's really hard to predict which way some of them will go at a, at a given point. The one thing you can say for those on the left is they're generally united and have been. You're seeing some, some cracks in that as a result of the Hamas terror attack on Israel. But the bottom line is, I just don't see this Republican unanimity. Uh, I, I just, just see a very fractured bunch of people with an R by their name. Jeff Stein is joining us. We'll take a break. Come on back. We'll talk about Trump embracing Nazism. It's the Matt McNeil Show. Stars in the sky. Look down where. It is the Matt McNeil Show on a Wednesday. Jeff Stein joining us for his usual Wednesday visit. And by the way, if you're watching the show, it's radio for your eyes. We stream this on AM 950s, all pretty much all their sources, on, on YouTube, on Twitter, Facebook, all the places. If you did watch it there, you get to do see the AM 950 calendar, which Jeff is kind enough down in Iowa to be holding up there. How, how, how is that calendar for you, Jeff? I have to tell you, I was having a blue Christmas, and it had been kind of a rough day yesterday. Uh, Trump was across the street from the radio station, so I went to a different county. Oh, dear Lord. uh, (laughs) Literally went to a different county and then came back and had to do a TV hit because, you know, I'm that guy. I got home, and what did I see? I saw a smiling bunch of Minnesotans in a Christmas card. So I, I don't know how you paid those people to pose with you. They looked like they were in a hostage video, but you looked happy. I beat the and happiness then, into them. I beat the happiness into them. So that, that explains the bruising. But <laughs> then I saw my AM 950 calendar. Now, I'm fortunate. I feel I'm no longer a blue Christmas, but tell me again, Matt. This pod- how, can, how can people get uh, an AM950 calendar it's of their a, own? It is a thank you. If you go to AM950 Radio, if you go to AM950 Radio, uh, there's a, a membership page there. Go check out the membership levels. If you sponsor AM950, help out the show here, you can get yourself a calendar as a thank you. So, and a so thank you to. I want to make sure I have this right. AM950radio.com, is that where I would go? That's where I, you would go. I may not have been clear. Yes. AM950radio.com is where you would go. 
to learn more about supporting the station and getting the calendar as a thank you? Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing, whether it's Chicago or Minneapolis, reality is, is that we don't have a lot of progressive radio stations out there. So make sure you're supporting uh, the fine people at all these stations, including WCPT 820 in Chicago, as well as AM 950 Radio, the mothership for me here in Minneapolis, St. Well, Paul. Well, the other thing about it is whether you're in Minneapolis or Chicago, the dates on the calendar are the same. Are they? So it's it's universal in that respect. It's, I didn't. I never studied the 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 the, the uh, Caesarian ca- calendar, the Roman calendar. Is oh wow, the what do you Caesarian know? calendar. <laughs> like the my Caesarian ses- calendar. <laughs> yeah, All right. there, there you go. Um, <laughs> hey, speaking of verbal faux pas, well, or intentional. Okay, so yeah. you're you, you, Trump was across the street from you yesterday. Yeah. What the hell is with all this Nazi stuff that he's doing? The bl- poisoning of the blood, the vermin. I mean, this is Mein Kampf 101 at this point, and it's not, he's not trying to hide it. Well, here's the thing. He says he's never read Mein Kampf. Okay, let's go with that for the moment. If you wind up using a phrase, let's say I used a phrase in this conversation, and afterwards you, you know, gave me a call and said, hey, do you realize that when you say butterbeer, butterbeer, you say butterbeer, I'll call you up and I'll say, you realize you just use a term from the Harry Potter books, right? Okay. See, I, you had to explain that because I didn't know. Exactly. But let's say that that's a, that's a fine example. <laughs> Caught me way off guard, but okay, that's fine. So I would say, oh no, I didn't mean to do that. I better not do it. What I wouldn't do is to come out and you, was it butterbeer? Butterbeer. Yes. Yeah, butterbeer. Okay. I wouldn't come out the next time and say butterbeer. Now, I haven't ever read Harry Potter, so I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it. At some point, shouldn't someone have said um, that's sort of a Hitler reference? You may not want to use it. The response you would think would be, "Oh, jeez, I didn't mean to do that." Instead, he says, "I've never read Mein Kampf, but let me directly quote from it." Yeah, that's not a very smart move. But again. Let's say Matt McNeil is Donald Trump's campaign advisor. I can see it. And you can you imagine getting him to do anything that you well, wanted him to do? You and I talked a few months ago about the fact that he, at some of these rallies, he doesn't seem well. That he is going off on these rants and these tangents, and he at times is just not making any sense at all. And so there's a question there. The reality, I mean, clearly someone behind the scenes thinks the path to success here and winning the presidency is cosplaying Adolf. And, I, you know, regardless of where it's coming from, it's really hard in this country to hear someone basically extol the virtues of a Hitler reference in their campaign and not Every single person in the country absolutely jumping down his throat. The fact that so many Republicans are avoiding talking about it, the media, you know, kind of coyly plays around and doesn't call it what it is. He's quoting Hitler. And if you if you're doing this, I mean, that I mean, I understand the whole Colorado ballot thing. But if there's something that should disqualify you from office in this country, you'd think it'd be quoting Adolf Hitler. Well, didn't we rail against those who were supporting Hamas? In general, you know, I mean, again, what's the whole point of the Hamas terror attack? Targeting Jews. Yes. We say that's a bad thing. Yes. Okay. The other thing, though, 
And this was interesting. I was asked, well, what do you think he'll say? Because the ruling in Colorado came down 20 minutes before he took the stage in Waterloo, Iowa. I figured he would tee it up. He did not mention it. That tells me, without any knowledge, that his team did not tell him about it before he took the stage. Oh, yeah. That's why he didn't reference it. So if the team is worried about giving him bad news that he could leverage into a big show on the stage, what do you think? they're doing when it's a reference like this. Do you think anybody is saying to him, uh, Mr. President, you shouldn't say this? They're not even telling him about something that everyone in the audience saw on their phone in a news feed. Do you think part of what he's doing with the Hitler reference stuff is basically preparing that if he does lose a presidential election a second time, he wants the ugliness of America ready to go. And because he feels maybe he feels as if the the problem back in January 6th, the last time wasn't I didn't have the worst of the worst there. I need more vicious people to go and do it. I mean, I, I for the life of me, I can't figure out where he's going with this outside of he's just trying to ingratiate himself with the with the, the worst of the worst of the far right. I don't think it's as complicated or as diabolical i hope not as as you're suggesting i think it's it's we're trying everything you know he he's he's now embracing uh black lives matter because one of the founders was saying well you know trump did more for black people than anybody else it's this desperate i'm going out for any group of people i can never mind how inconsistent it is and never mind how repulsive it may be to others because i'll walk away and say oh what are you gonna do vote for the other guy yeah and that's no way to run a an election or a country well, I, I think it's bad. Don't quote Hitler. I mean, I mean, for God's sake, things I didn't think I had to tell people today. There you go. Uh, Jeff, uh, we will talk to you. You're going to be joining us on the 29th for our special year-end review, correct? Twice the time, twice the fun. We'll talk to you then. Hour two, that's coming up next. Hour number two of the show here on your Wednesday Matt and Brett here today. One more live show tomorrow. Then we got the brand new to you shows kicking in on Friday. A hum dinger on Friday. Paul Nyland from Lifeline Ukraine in the three o'clock hour. Jack Rice in the four. Just spectacular. That's all ready to go for you. Brand new to you shows starting on Friday this week. Happy holidays. My gift to you. Well. I'll save my other gift for for later. <laughs> that sound doesn't that doesn't sound creepy at all, does it, Brad? I don't know if anyone's gonna want the no, gift describing yeah, it. In that okay, voice. Uh, give me the receipt with it. Okay, uh, so uh, I have a news story. I did not realize the Olmstead County Sheriff's Department they send out their officers with lassos. A deputy with the. <laughs> I saw this too. Like, well, I'm just like wondering, is it on your hip? Is it a deputy with the Olmstead County Sheriff's Office successfully lassoed a runaway goat in Rochester over the weekend? What was Andy Pettit doing down there? No, I'm sorry. 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 He does look like a goat to a bit. Anyway. Sorry. <laughs> the sheriff's office said the deputy self-dispatched to assist with the Rochester Police Department with the situation around 11 a.m. Sunday morning. The sheriff's office shared a video of the encounter, which the goat is seen sneaking around the house. Was he trying to break in? Uh, he tried to escape from the deputy. The little feller, by the way, nice job bringing me the news. I love whenever feller is in a news story. The little feller is swiftly captured as it runs down the sidewalk. 
According to the sheriff's office, the goat was safely turned over to the Rochester Animal Control Shelter, later reunited with its owner. Excellent work, Deputy Hyden, the agency wrote. What we're seeing generally, I'm thinking of Dolly Parton in 9 to 5. What we're seeing generally with this release is the destabilization of migration patterns. Um, the, uh, well, that's actually, I don't think that's part, I don't think that that's part of the story. So I don't know where that came from. Needless to say, we'll go back to Little Feller. We'll, we'll do that one. Um, a goat, could you... If they gave you a lasso, now, mind you, neither one of us knows how to, you know, to tie a lasso. I think I could actually get somewhat close because I did do some knot tying when I was in the military. So I knew a little, I know a little bit. I know you just got to do a loop on the one end and get the thing there, there. And then you kind of, you know, it's, it's not as simple. I mean, you got to cinch. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to happen. How, how many times would it take you to, with a lasso to hit a goat, a moving goat? We'd be there for a while. <laughs> The goat I'll just would, say that. Yeah. The goat is the goat. It would win. It would win. How is your goat out? I'm going to guess it just escaped from a pen. I'm not presuming people in Olmstead County can't just like walk around with a goat on a leash, can they? Yeah, that's a good question. How it would escape? I mean, you, you electric fence the goat or something, and maybe it escapes. <laughs> okay. okay. Before anyone sends nasty notes to Brett, he's he just meaning don't you keep him in a a secure yeah, yeah. pen? I okay. Don't, I don't know how you necessarily keep track of a goat do you treat it like a dog where yeah you put the electric fence give it a bowl of water outside or all i know is the goats at the minnesota zoo swarm you every time you're in there because they got those goat eye things man and they're looking at you like do you have kibble pieces i don't care for you human unless you have kibble pieces and then they got that that weird tongue thing going on yeah there's not enough water in the planet you know, it's, you're, you're scrubbing for a while at that at that at that wash off sink in the summertime at the farm out of the Minnesota Zoo. <sighs> they're lovely creatures. <laughs> they're they're eaten in a lot of cultures. I you know I don't know what else to say. I'm presuming you're making goat milk, so feta cheese and stuff like that, which I'm all for, by the way. Oh yeah, you'd be covered in that department. I'd be good with that, but I don't. I don't. Uh, how much could a could a single goat eat down like a yard's worth of grass in a week? <laughs> Maybe I'm missing the boat on this. Maybe that's what we're looking at because there are people that do that. Do you know that that you will you will have a they'll have a herd of goats come out to your house and they'll eat your yard. I don't know how much it costs to have a herd of goats come do that. Only thing I could find is the daily feed intake of goats ranges from three to four percent of their body weight. Well, that's not that much. Yeah. Well, grass is pretty light. I mean, whenever I've eaten grass, no. So you have to have a few goats then. You're not it's not a one coat job if you've got your standard suburban house here in Minneapolis St. Paul. All right. 952-946-6205 952-946-6205. Um I want to take uh this next segment here and address this to these idiots. Idiots who keep saying climate change isn't a problem, so I put on a t-shirt. Ooh, it's a little warmer out today. What's the big problem? <laughs> Because I have noticed the biggest belly acres about not having a white Christmas are the same people that when you say, well, climate change has really changed the environment of the state of Minnesota. They're like, oh, oh someone's upset because it's a little bit nicer out. And now, because it's a lot bit nicer out, I mean, we're going to have a record-breaking temperature almost guaranteed at this point for Christmas Eve. Did you see that? 
They're saying Christmas Eve. I think the re- the the previous high temperature record for Christmas Eve is 47. We're supposed to be like 51, 52. That's the fork. You're going to get above 50 on Christmas. That shouldn't yeah. happen in Minnesota. Should be, we should be nowhere near that right now. As a matter of fact, even that one cold day, that cold day we had on Monday was actually one degree warmer than the average temperature for the day. That kind of gives you an idea of how screwed up our weather has been this year. I have said in my lifetime, we will have a winter without snow in Minnesota. And I'm not talking about these dustings that we get occasionally. That Like we had one in October, we had a dusting there, and we had a dusting in, in late November, and you know it just kind of comes, stays for a few hours and it's gone. Would you consider anything we've had this year? To be snow, never no. yet. I wouldn't no. either. Yeah. No, yeah, I wouldn't. Def- yeah, yeah. yeah you know, snow is it stays on the ground. It, it snow is stays on the ground at least two weeks. The ground is completely covered. Snow's on the ground two weeks. The snow. That's that's what I would consider it. We haven't had anything close to that this year. And my guess is going to be, is that we are going to in my lifetime, and I'm 55. So we, we you know you know God willing, we got 30 more years on that run. We're probably looking at a year where we will not have any snow whatsoever in my lifetime. And at that point, all these same people are going to, who have been sitting there saying, climate change admits we don't need to do a thing about it. They're going to be the first ones saying, you know, don't play the blame game. Let's not point fingers. Let's not ask about who's been holding this up all these years. I'm here now looking for solutions. So let's make a, let's make a team effort now. Wanting to admonish yourself from any kind of culpability for being the jackass that has led us down this path. I, I I'm I'm not going to let that go. Because, because your intentional and ribald ignorance are not something which I, I feel are a something that should get the the benefit of the 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 the, the, the benefit of the doubt later on. Why am I bringing this up? The Minnesota Ice Festival had high hopes for 2024 that included building what they believe would be the biggest ice maze in history. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. On Thursday, Minnesota Ice CEO Robbie Harrell announced that the winter celebration, which has supposed was supposed to start on January 5th at the Vikings Lakes in Egan, has been canceled, blaming the unseasonable start to winter. It goes without saying the temperatures in the 40s and 50s are not ideal for ice making. We are re- really looking forward to celebrating the beautiful Minnesota winter with everyone, but the weather hasn't cooperated and we won't be able to deliver the experience we had hoped for, said Harold in a release statement. There are safety concerns that we have to take into account when building structures with ice and snow and ensuring the safety of those structures is our top priority, understandably. Yeah, the last thing you need is a large chunk of ice falling on a kid. Harrell added that it is important for those attending events featuring large ice or snow sculptures to exercise caution as warmer temperatures can affect the stability of those structures, creating potential hazards. People who have purchased tickets and gift cards for the Minnesota Ice Festival will receive automatic refunds. Harrell said the refunds should come within 7 to 10 days, but processing times may vary. A large amount of the ice has already been delivered for the festival site. Organizers say it's under a blanket of insulation to keep it from melting, and they're hoping it can be used in a winter celebration of some sort later this winter when things cool down. We have gotten to the point where you it's too warm in Minneapolis, St. Paul to have an ice event 
on January 5th. I want to repeat that. All you people out there saying, what's the big deal, huh? (laughs) I'm wearing a t-shirt. How much money did this group in Egan just lose because of climate change? Because it's climate change. It's climate change. Have you looked at the temperatures in December? Did you look at the temperatures in November? December is even worse. It's not four or five degrees above normal. It's 20 degrees almost every freaking day above normal. I mean, look outside. This doesn't look like Minnesota at Christmas time. It looks like Minnesota in early November. And we're going to have more of these winters than we are going to have of old school winters. And it's really easy for the complete and total dumbasses who are the climate change deniers to sit there the first day it snows and say, oh, look at here, it's snowing. Who thinks that climate change is real? You've gotten to the point where you can't have ice sculptures in the Twin Cities anymore. That you really, I mean, let's be honest about it. If you want to have an ice sculpture, you have to go to Duluth. That that's basically the cutoff point now. If you want to guarantee that you're going to have a cold enough winter, you need to do it in Duluth or up on the range or on the the very northwestern part of the state. Is the winter carnival in jeopardy? Because that's a few dollars. I mean, I was there a few years ago when all the ice sculptures melted on the second day. (laughs) I went out to Rice Park and... You're going around Rice Park, and all you saw was just crumbled ice sculptures. It was well, this pile looks nice. <laughs> That's like this pile over here's got my vote. You can tell it was something ambitious. And yeah, I have zero doubt we'll have some cold days this year. But it doesn't offset the fact that we've had a month. It's it's not even a month. I mean, it's we're it's the twentieth of December. It's more like November 1st. It's a month and a half off at this point. And sure, like I said, I have zero doubt we're going to get ice cold temperatures. And by the way, let's talk a little bit about the other impacts of this. First of all, we're going to have winter come slap us back around. And it's not going to be a 30 degree down to a 10 degree drop. It's going to be a 45 degree down to a 10 degree drop. And one thing that's pretty clear is that a lot of elderly people, when weather changes like that, when you get all of a sudden cold weather coming in that quickly, it takes a toll. You lose a lot of people when the cold weather rolls on in. You may not think that that's a big deal, but having these massive temperature drops, that actually does cause a lot of problems. But let's just let's just say you are your standard you know, anti-COVID Republican out there today where human life doesn't matter to you. It sucks to be them when they die unless it's a family member you love. And why isn't anybody doing anything about this? I mean, your, your hypocrisy knows no end. But let's just say you worship one thing and one thing only, and that's the, the dollar. You, you do know we have quite a few industries in the state which are based on the concept of the upper tier of the United States having a pretty serious winter, right? 
snowmobile makers, ice fishing equipment, resorts that basically have ice fishing huts that are out on them, that they make a ton of money on those things. Have you been to some of those resorts? Uh, Brett, have you ever done one of those where they have the really fancy schmancy ice houses out there? I have not, no. They're nice. I've been to them. It's, it's, I was up on uh, Lake of the Woods. You know, it, it, real nice out in Zippel Bay. Real nice. They got TVs, you know, you know, full bathrooms, nice kitchens. It's a nice setup, man. And you got yeah. a, hole, a hole in the floor, so you put a line in the water. Sounds fun, but it kind of seems to beat the purpose of ice fishing for me. Well, the old school style. It, don't don't fool yourself, man. I mean, well, you know, you you do get the old school, but it it's nice to do it inside, man. And I will say this: those resorts make a ton of money. Well, maybe not this year. I, I guarantee you, there's going to be a cutoff line somewhere. Is it Malax? Is it going to be? Is it Malax where they can't put the ice houses out there because it's just it's it's not warm. We just we benefited. We had an ice fishing tournament that just got canceled not that long ago because the ice wasn't thick enough. You're already having major problems because of not one day or three days. That's what it used to be. Sure, we might have a few days, maybe. A day in December where it hit 41 day and then came back down to normal very quickly. You'd never had three freaking weeks of this. And here we are. And anyone that cares about the 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 whether it's Minnesota businesses, Minnesota life, where because once again you're going to get this temperature smack back and it's going to smack back hard, and we're going to lose people because of that dramatic temperature change. Or if you just want to maintain that idyllic Minnesota winter experience. Right now, it's going away, and it's going away quickly. This is one of the reasons why people did not want to put a loon on the flag was because they said, if the temperatures keep warming up in 50 years, there's not going to be any loons in Minnesota. They'll all be up in Canada. Used to be a lot more moose in the state. Used to be red foxes in the state. Now they're not here. My dad remembers. My dad remembers snowy owls nesting on the University of Minnesota campus. When was the last time you saw a snowy owl anywhere in the metro area? <laughs> Come on, they're not down here now. Guarantee you that. You're out there. You're one of these people that climate change is a myth. Well, enjoy what your myth has brought us. Your myth has brought us an Oklahoma City Christmas. Although it is still prettier than Oklahoma City, let's just be honest. I mean, not not the nicest town I've ever seen in my life. But still, I I live in Minnesota. I don't live in Oklahoma. I don't mind cold weather. I don't mind the cooler temperatures. I sure as heck don't want to see the entire winter industry in this country, in this state, cavitate and to get destroyed because idiots still keep putting their thumb up their backside and saying nothing wrong here. You just are fools. You're part of the problem. You're not part of the solution. 952-946-6205. Let's take a break. Come on back. Uh, apparently, someone's upset because people aren't paying for the exorbitant prices for their products anymore. Oh, no. Oh, no. Indeed. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950.
Oh, yeah. They call me back, no Santa. It is the Matt McNeil Show. Happy holidays. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205 is the phone number. Um... So, you know, we've talked about there's there's this little thing here. You, just, you, you want to see how much your 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 business media and general media is failing you as a country. You know how they keep screaming inflation's really bad. But in the very next statement, it's this company made record profits this quarter. Now, those two things can't exist in the same paradigm. They just can't. You can't have massive inflation and at the same time have massive corporate profits. Those two things do not exist. What you don't have is inflation. What you really have is good old-fashioned greed. Now, let me step back, remind people of what exactly has happened. When we had COVID checks come out to the public, corporate America said, screw that, that's our money. And they did. That's kind of how this whole thing started. They said, well, if the American people have a few extra bucks, we need to raise our prices so we take that money because that money belongs to us. So they had what's called shrinkflation. They shrunk the size of the packages of their products while charging an extra 30, 40, 50 cents more for the same product, acting like we're still giving you value. Bull. And and then they reported massive corporate profits. And when people said, boy, oh boy, why are your prices up? And you say, inflation. Oh, by the way, let me go count my pile of money I have out back. (laughs) This will get me four or five new hookers. You know, I don't know what they're doing with their money. I'm jet skis, hookers. I don't know. Welcome to Vegas. But that's what happened. Because you can't have those two things. You can, it's not inflation if there's record corporate profits. That's just plain old-fashioned greed. And eventually, you are going to start tapping the wallets of people. Because the reality is, is that they only got so much extra cash from the government. And cue the next story. Distress signals went up in Golden Valley on Wednesday morning. People were buying fewer General Mills products. People may continue to buy fewer General Mills products. CEO Jeff uh, Harmoning chalked up the setback to stronger-than-anticipated value-seeking behaviors and return towards historic price elasticities, a.k.a. people are tired of paying extra money for your, your food, so they'll just make their own or buy other things, and frankly, as well, and I know a lot of people, and I, I don't, I'm not, I'm in a very traditional middle-class neighborhood. I'm in Hopkins. I am in a very middle-class neighborhood. I know a lot of people in middle-class neighborhoods right now that are, are basically, they, they, it's not just people who are in lower-income neighborhoods and lower-income situations where they're penny-pinching. I know a lot of people who are like, I'm stopped buying this product because, you know, they, it was you know a sixteen ounce can. Now it's a thirteen point five ounce can, and it cost a buck more. I have cans. Did I don't know if it you're like me. I had cans in my pantry downstairs where I store some extra food and stuff. And I had cans. I brought them in. It's like, did I get the wrong size? And nope, it was the same can. It just was a smaller version of it. But because I had older cans in the basement before they basically the greedy bastards t- went and screwed us all over. Uh, I basically, they, they, yeah, it became pretty clear what had happened here. So now I'm not sure exactly what the whole thing with General Mills is, but this is, you know, like I said, you can't have record corporate profits 
and then claim it's inflation. And if you've been raising your prices, well, I think you finally figured out what too much is. Like I said, and once again, I don't want to necessarily, I'm not exactly sure exactly how Golden, you know, General Mills got into this situation, but if you go, if you do the grocery shopping, it's pretty clear on what's happened with in the grocery stores. There's likely no more room to push pricing with continued pushback and increasing pressure on from retailers, said analyst John O. with research from the Third Bridge wrote on Wednesday. Investors are now taking their turn punishing General Mills stock price, which was down 2.5 in trading on Wednesday uh, you know, morning. By the way, once again, here's another major problem within the country. There are too many people on the stock market that treat it like it's freaking Vegas. And you know, they, you know, so they, they gamble that a stock price is going to go up and they invest in the stock price. And when the stock price goes, doesn't go up, they basically say, well, it's not my fault for recklessly betting on it, you know, not, you know, going up when it was, there were signs that it might not go up. So you need to punish the company for failing to, to place, meet your bid. It's like, basically shooting the horse when it doesn't win the race for you. You know, that's kind of, if you want an analogy, and and by the way, humane, you know, people who are humane society people, I don't mean to, I don't want anyone to shoot a horse, but you get the point. It's, it's, it's people making a bet on something. And when that butt doesn't come through, they don't blame the fact that they made a bad bet. They may, they blame that they blame the, whatever they bet on. Already, General Mills has tried to temper expectations of slower growth ahead as it leaves behind a major pandemic-era boost when people ate almost entirely at home and stocked their pantries full. On Wednesday, the company predicted it may not grow sales all through next summer. Hammoning said if they believe heavy advertising and a suite of product innovations like high-protein yolk play, yogurt, and loaded cereals will provide springboards for better results down the line. Dude, have you been down a cereal aisle? A loaded cereal? I'm not sure that's going to stand out like you think it's going to. (laughs) You know what the new one they have in the cereal aisle is? Like a miniaturized version of it. So now you can buy, you know, know, like you don't get just Cocoa Puffs. You get like mini Cocoa Puffs. Like it's like those Dippin' Dot size. How long would those stay fresh in a bowl with milk? Not very long. Yeah, who wants to dissolve in the milk? Who wants slush? Are they just getting us used to that 1840s British workhouse gruel? You know, it's like because that's all it's going to be. After five minutes in milk, it's just going to turn into gruel. Mm. Hey kids, check out Kellogg's gruel. Kellogg's gruel now with marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your hands off my gruel. Uh, all right, let's take we got a whole marketing campaign. <laughs> Cuckoo for gruel. Oh yes. You can, you can, it's printing money. General Mills, give me a call. Uh, we'll take a break. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Maybe I'll remind of a Mr. Mom when I come on back, all right? It's the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. maka is the thing to say on a bright Hawaiian Christmas day. My daughter does not like this one. I want to hit the bottomus for Christmas. Only hit the bottomus will do. I don't want a doll, no dinky tinker toy. I want a hippopotamus to play with and enjoy. I want a hippopotamus. It is the Matt McNeil 
Show, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. By the way, a reminder on the calendar. It's uh, nice of Jeff Stein to bring this up last hour. Uh, the calendar is out and ready for your perusal. It is a beaut. Let, give me a month, Brett. Let me give you a month out of the year. Let's go with uh, October, since I, it feels like that. Okay. It does. It feels like October, although it doesn't. There you go. October for you. The beaut I took over at Lake Minnetonka Regional Park. Uh, that is just uh, one of my favorite all-time photos. That is just a spectacular picture. Uh, that is, uh, this is, of course, our calendar. We have done it four years in a row. I am just as stunned as anyone else. You can get this calendar as a thank you. Now, we have a lot of different levels that you can sign up on. Go to am950radio.com. Go on the membership page. Help support AM950 to keep progressive radio here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, in Minnesota, and in the United States of America. And a a thank you for your, your support is going to be a calendar. Sign up, get the calendar, enjoy the calendar, makes a fantastic gift. And if anyone wants me to sign one, I don't know why you'd want me to, but sure, I could do that for you. Why? Because I'm simple and easy that way. I, I, <laughs> I'll do anything. Uh, like, like a frat boy with a, a glass, they don't know what's inside of it. Sure, I'll try. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm willing to help out any way I can. Uh, go get the calendar as a thank you. We also have tote bags as thank yous, and there is a meet and greet as a thank you as well. Go check it out, am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com, and enjoy. And also, by the way, if I can also mention our good friend, Paul Metza, he is with Sonny Earl tonight over at the Dakota. Uh, they are doing their uh, their uh, um, anniversary show there, 25th anniversary. Uh, I just talked to Paul today. Uh, he and he and he and Sonny practiced for four hours. He said, "I haven't done that in a while." And so they're getting ready for the show at the Dakota tonight. The doors open at five thirty. Uh, the show starts at seven. Twenty fifth anniversary. Metza and Sonny Earl. It's going to be fantastic at the Dakota. Go check it out. And uh, you know, let's sell that place out. So head over to the Dakota. Get some food. Enjoy yourself. There, 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. Oh, back to General Mills and protein yogurt and loaded cereals. Uh, our job is to maximize long-term shareholder return, not to particularly quarter or frankly any particular year, he told an analysts. When the consumer is stressed and results are hard to come by, you know, one of the things we've been successful at companies like ours is do reinvest in the future. In an interview Wednesday, Harmoning said that it is typical tough times for consumers come back on restaurants and buy more groceries, give a boost. That hasn't happened despite uh, steep menu inflation diners are facing. Even though consumers are feeling pinched, they haven't traded like they normally do. And that's an interesting side point to it because it is expensive to order food. And as a matter of fact, it is, it's, when I, I did not do a lot of like DoorDash and Uber Eats and stuff like that, I didn't do a lot of that until we had the accident last year. And a lot of people gave us gift cards and so it gave us an opportunity to do that. And I was kind of stunned at the, the, the cost markup of all that stuff. But a lot of people do it. A lot of people do that today. It's convenience. And, and people are willing to pay for convenience on some level. Now, I'm not saying that that's the case here. I think it's coming from both sides, frankly. I think on one side, you have people who are, you know, will just go get food out. And on the other side, I think you've got consumers who are tired of paying extra for less product. And I think the end result of something like that is, you know, General Mills having problems. Um, 
Some of the company's challenges are due to competitors getting back on the shel- uh, getting, getting back on the shelves after years of supply chain snarls. Harmoning said, underscoring the need to boost its brands and advertising in-store and promotions. Uh, and while industry pundits have theorized food companies could be losing customers to popular weight loss drugs like uh, Wegovy, Ozempic, and Harmoning said there just isn't evidence for that's the cause to General Mills. Really? That there's enough people taking those drugs that that's actually impacting the sales of a place like General Mills or, you know, Pillsbury or something like that? Nestle or something? Dear Lord. Um, there really isn't a threshold penetration. The company will also look to trim costs and offset continued, albeit slowing inflation. Okay, once again, much of it due to higher wages and down supply chains. Once again, if you are making corporate profits that are record corporate profits, it's not inflation. That's just plain greed. For the fiscal quarter that ended in November, General Mills took a $595 million profit, but it was a 2% decline from last year. Sales, so once again, I want to read. It is so messed up how we talk about inflation. Oh, it's a tough year at General Mills. It's a tough, tough year. (laughs) We're not going to get through things. We only made $595 million in profit. Oh, no. Not that. Uh, Sales fell, but you still made $595 million in profit. That's a good year. In profit. So once again, that's after salaries have been paid. That's after the supply chains have been paid. That's after all the... So don't look at us and say, well, wages are costing more and supply chain issues. No, $595 million in profit. It means all that stuff got paid. And this is the profit you have. A massive Scrooge McDuck vat of cash. Just do we have any any business reporter that will actually honestly describe what this is as it is anyone anyone bueller anyone oh the growth will need to come primarily from selling a greater volume of products uh it said oh the road ahead for general mills and the wider industry will be a challenging one it will likely be until mid-calendar year 2024 when we can start seeing a positive outlook on the volume of growth although <laughs> Those poor guys only having to make do with $595 million in profit. Not that. Not that. It's, guys, it's the biggest failure of this country on economics, on capitalism, is allowing the executive class of these corporations, and I understand this case of General Mills is a shareholder thing, But trust me, this is executive class stuff. It's the executive class Uberalis stuff that really used to be a company would make $595 million in a profit and everyone would be getting cigars and a bonus and having high fives and stuff. And you failed because we thought you were going to have more money. Well, then who's the stupid idiot? And once again, by allowing Wall Street to punish companies for being successful, but but not as successful as they predicted they'd be. But once again, that's not on the people that gambled the money. It's on the company that finished still with a massive profit, but not a good enough profit. Now, it's just, 
corporate America is screwed up. Absolutely. And we and frankly, we don't I mean they're sure every once in a while there's a, an Elizabeth Warren that pops up or a Bernie Sanders when he when he talks about, you know, reigning in corporations, but the reality is is there's the, the, all these guys are they're sucking on a teat. You know, their 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 wife is on a board. Their their son is a senior executive. They all are trying to get. They're all trying to get the lobbying gig after they're done with their off term in office. They're not about to rein this in. Insanity rules, and we all get screwed. There you go. Nine five two nine four six six two zero five nine five two nine four six six two zero five. Uh, new good. A bit of good news here, and you might not have missed this here. Minnesota lawmakers made changes to Minnesota law on police body camera videos that should result in the public release of more footage showing what happened and sooner. The changes largely overshadowed this past legislative session by Democrats' far-reaching criminal justice reforms require law enforcement to release footage of action and circumstances surrounding officers discharging their firearms or using force that results in substantial bodily harm. A great example of this would be Jaleel Stallings, where they fired off their guns. There was indeed bodily harm. If the police would have had to release that body cam footage of what exactly happened with Jaleel Stallings at that time, I guarantee you there would have never been any charges filed against Jaleel Stallings. And as a matter of fact, there probably would be a pretty substantial public outcry for the firing of a lot of police officers. So this is a good deal. And this kind of because, and this is one of those things where, you know, talking about volume pricing. Uh, the Minnesota DFL got so many things put through. I imagine the Republicans didn't really think, you know, and, and you know, who basically carry the water for the police unions. They didn't uh, see, oh, well, this might actually cause the public to see what's going on behind the scenes. Before the law went into effect early this year, the footage was released. Police had the dis- uh, discretion to release that sni- uh, just a snippet of video, like when the gun was fired, not footage of what led up to the incident. Now they have to show more than a snippet. Representative Cedric Frazier, the DFLer from New Hope, said that it's important that when trying to piece together the circumstances surrounding police officers' use of force, uh, the in Minnesota law enforcement officers' body camera video can be released to the public under three circumstances. If a firearm was discharged, if pu- police caused substantial body harm to someone, or if an officer has been disciplined, police can also release videos if the public interest like to correct misinformation in the hope of quelling public unrest, which generally, a lot of times, if they're hiding the video, it tells you a lot there. The law was also amended so that when the deadly force is used, a body cam video must be released to the public no later than 14 days after the incident unless the police agency says it would interfere with an ongoing investigation. Prepare yourself for, oh, yeah, that's that's an ongoing investigation. Now family members and their legal representatives can request they inspect the video without going to court, forget it. The police agency can deny the request if they determine there's a compelling reason that would interfere with the active investigation, but the family can sue for its release. Frazier said lawmakers worked with the State Bureau of Criminal Apprehension to come up with the 14-day timeline. He said lawmakers will be watching to see if police agencies continue to withhold videos by citing concern about impairing the investigation and the law made further tweaking. Before the law was changed, family members said to go to court to get the video, according to uh, the government transparency advocate Rich Rich Neumeister, who pushed for some of the changes. Neumeister said now people can ask agencies for video of incidents that would show why someone was tased or punched, for example, even if no court proceeding resulted. It's a major change for accountability. 
which I think is a good thing. The law also amended so that the video of deadly force must be kept indefinitely. So you can't erase it now. Frazier said this makes some headway into a problem laid bare in a recent New York Times story about how police largely control the footage, who can see it and when. And he said the request remains whether the body cams will be a deterrence to excessive force. Does that actually change anything? What they actually prevent some things to happen in the past? I think the jury's still out on that. I, I think it's a good thing. I actually, and I get it, you're working with the, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. I would make an argument a week, 10 days. I mean, if you have, if you have a legitimate court case issue, I and there's an investigation going on and someone has a lawyer, the accused, the defendant has a lawyer. I can't see why in the world the defendant and the 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 the, the suspect can't have access to the body cam footage immediately. And what it feels like a lot of times happens is only when it goes to trial do you get to see this. I think what we're going to see with this is a, a definite change. I mean, that if, if you have to show this to the public or to a family member and a court basically says, nope, you've got to give it up. I, I mean, I, I think it's going to, to change things because maybe we won't have such egregious prosecution like we had with Jaleel Stallings, where the guy was clearly innocent. He's clearly innocent. And yet he was they still tried to get him to, to take a plea deal at the very end. Now, imagine if all the body cam footage of that incident was out prior. Do you even think that that would have gone to court? Do you even think they had gone to a trial with that? I, it, it's pretty clear to me that this is this is a good step. But a reminder, I just, I am so damn tired of police officers saying nothing bad happened, nothing bad happened, nothing bad happened, but we're not going to show you the video. Nothing bad happened, nothing bad happened, nothing bad happened, but we're going to sh- we're not going to show you the video. And then when they're forced to show the video, then they come on out and then the onus is on the public. The public needs to keep their emotions in check here. You know, I know there's going to be some people who are going to be upset, but you need to keep your emotions in check. Maybe as law enforcement, if you see a crime committed by a police officer, maybe you should prosecute that. As opposed to just say, well, we'll cover this up one way or the other. This might actually get us to the point where we're changing a lot of that. And that's a good thing. 952-946-6205. 952-946-6205. We'll take a break, wrap up the show. When we do return, it is the Matt McNeil Show right here on AM 950. Matt McNeil Show, 952 946 6205. 952 946 6205. 
Minnesota's program to provide free school breakfast and lunch to all students, regardless of income, is costing the state more than expected because of a jump in demand. When Democratic Governor Tim Walz signed the legislation last spring, advocates said the free meals would ease stresses on parents and help reduce childhood poverty while lifting the stigma of kids who rely on them. Thousands of school children who didn't previously qualify have been getting the free meals since Minnesota this fall became the country's fourth state to offer universal free school meals. The number has since grown to at least eight. Republican lawmakers objected to the program. Boo. It was moved through the legislature saying it was a poor use of taxpayer dollars to subsidize meals. Mind you, I want to make sure we understand this. These people consider themselves Christians, these Republicans. They, I'm going to read this. They said it was a poor use of taxpayer dollars to subsidize meal for students. Yes. Uh, hey, I, you know, first of all, I'm saving $500 a year on my kid alone, so I'm cool with it. Uh, so there you go. Now with the cost rising faster than expected, $81 million over the— uh, more over the next two years and 95 over the next three years after that. Some questions whether the state can afford the ongoing commitment uh, that was uh, reported on Wednesday. An updated budget forecast released this month show the money will be tight heading into the 2024 legislative session. Officials said that briefing that the higher projections for sal- school meals are based on really preliminary partial data and they'll keep monitoring the situation. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't care. Feed them. Feed them. Got into a discussion with a, a, a moderate Republican. And I said, here's the problem I have with Republicans' policy choices. And this is actually kind of an old school way of doing it. But they'll look at, there'll be a hundred hungry people and they'll find the one person out of that 100. So 99 people who are undeniably hungry and the one person who's just cheating the system. And they'll say, I would rather have 100 people go hungry than see a single taxpayer dollar wasted feeding someone who's not, which isn't very Christian. I mean, it is horrifically anti-Christian, but it's because their real God is money. And that is, and and, and this is old school Republican, you know, you know, dogma that they, you know, in, in the same sense as I'd rather ask for an apology or, or ask for forgiveness as, a, ask for, as opposed to ask for permission. That's a standard Republican dogma. It is traditional Republican to basically say, I would rather kill a program if I find one person abusing it. I don't care if a million people are getting a benefit out of it. Kill the program because one person getting a tax dollar they didn't deserve. Mind you, they also support a lot of people that are cheating the tax code who are really wealthy. That, that, that's a side point. If one person is getting a tax dollar they don't deserve, then they should be punished and cancel the entire program. I, as a liberal, heathen, progressive Democrat, (laughs) I actually invoke the Christian doctrine of just give them a damn sandwich. We'll figure out the problem later. I don't care. Listen to me. I don't care. I don't care that someone in that system might have parents who can afford the lunch. Don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you found one person who's who's shipping their kids over from Wisconsin for lunchtime at a school in Minnesota if eating free and then going back to Wisconsin. I don't care. Just feed them. Now, religious dogma for you. You do or don't do whatever it is you do or don't want to do. I'm Christian. Gospel of Matthew says, feed the hungry. That's it. That's it. Feed the hungry. So if someone's hungry and they want food, give them a damn sandwich. Don't make them pee in a cup. 
Don't make them to apply for 15 jobs. Don't say, you don't deserve it. Don't basically make them run, jump through shame hoops. Just give them the food. That's what Jesus wanted us to do. And anyone who's against that is against Jesus. Happy holidays. Happy freaking holidays. Yeah, if, if the more you know. You know, I, I mean, this is this is part of my whole endless quest to never any quest to basically wrestle, you know, what was a, a religion based on peace, love, and understanding away from people that really want to use it to hurt other people. So that's just me. Native Roots Radio, I'm awake. That's coming up. Have a good one. We are back for a final show on tomorrow. Till then, see ya.